0: i feel like i help everyone i feel like i'm a good person i don't do like malicious things so why am i not happy
1: hola you are listening to first gen healing a podcast on latinx healing and awakening journeys my name is priscilla luna i am your host And I'm going to let today's guest introduce himself.
0: Hi everyone, my name is Alex Romero. I am first gen. So first gen for undergrad and also for my master's. So I grew up about 20 minutes from the Arizona-Mexico border in a small town called Amado. I spent most of my career um, helping students on college campuses. So I've done that in many different facets, but that's been the majority of my career. And then More recently, I've embarked on a self-healing journey and I've been really um, focused on prioritizing joy. So uh, more recently, I've been posting a lot about what it means to prioritize joy um, and what my journey has been like, but then also helping others do that as well. I do have two siblings and I'm the youngest of the three and we are all first gen. We all went to the actually the same university, the University of Arizona.
1: Mm, Okay. How was it living in a border town or growing up in one? Did that change your experience, do you think?
0: I think so. Um, I think there was more tension, if I'm honest with you, like around Mm. like racial tension, because I don't know, even like in school, it was like pretty much, I would say like half Latino, maybe like half like white students. So I think there was always this, like, tension between both um, that I always felt, and it always felt very, like, apparent for me. Um, Mm. And I think um, close to where I grew up, there's also um, this other, like, smaller town, and it's a big, like, retirement community. So we had Mm. a lot of, like, older, um, like, people who have come, like, from, like, rich, you know, backgrounds who are there. So you can already tell there's going to be some tension you know around like um, a big like latino population so um i think that was one thing that i always felt but i also one positive thing that i really liked is that i was able to really stay connected because traveling to you know mexico was so like close Mm -hmm. that i didn't it was like just a part of my life it wasn't something that was like you know i never did that Um, so even like on weekends you would go there we have family there like things like that so I think for me like that was something special that it was still like a part of my life even though I was living in Arizona
1: yeah I wonder if that empowers you in some way because I imagine like for example I grew up not going to Mexico often or very few times Um, But I always thought like I would always see the the kids who would go in the summers or like, you know, they had a lot of family. And Mm. I like now I look back and I'm like, I wonder if that gives you the sense of community that sometimes as first gens like here in the U.S. can feel like is not present. I just wonder if it gives you um, como. A foundation to stand on, or like this is my culture, and this, yes, there's tension, but it's due to this, and I love this, and I can stand behind it in a way, you know?
0: I think so, because, well, I think for me, it was whenever I would go and like visit, I felt like at home there, like, because I, I didn't feel like mm-hmm. I needed to code switch, like, it was just like, oh, I could just express myself how I would express myself at home, like, it's not, you know, any different. And I mean, obviously, like when you go, people like can see that like you don't live there. Right. But it was still this like, I don't know, it was this like way that I could express myself in Spanish that I wouldn't I wasn't able to like in the States Mm -hmm. that I think just felt very like, I don't know, familiar and nice. And Mm. I think that's one reason that I always felt very like prideful in being Mexican. Like, I don't think I ever felt like it was like a negative aspect of me. Um, yeah. I always felt like a pretty strong like foundation in that and yeah because for me I think the only tension that I was feel is because other people were trying to say that it was a bad thing right yeah um, but yeah for me yeah I think that being able to visit there it did create kind of like a nice foundation
1: that's cool that's awesome that you had that too like because you were experiencing seeing that much tension that you had also like that relief, you know, from it. Tell us a little bit about what growing up as a first gen looked like for you. In the beginning,
0: it was really scary, I would say. Um, I remember when I was about to graduate high school, I was like, I don't want to go to university. Like, I was really scared and I felt like I really doubted in my own, like, just like how intelligent I was and I was like, I'm not ready mm. to go to a college. Like, I want to just maybe start a uh, like community college or something like that. Um, at the time I also was interested in like animation because I was really into um, animation then. But unfortunately, it's really pricey to go to like art school. Uh, okay. So that was one of the reasons why I wasn't able to do that. So um, I actually was really pushed by uh, one of my older siblings to still apply. And I think it was one of those things where I was like, I don't want to, but they kind of made me. (laughs) So (laughs) I did apply to, um, you know, the university and I got in. And yeah, I think for me, I don't know. I always felt like a really big disconnect when it came to education, just because I felt like we never really talked about things that like related to my home life. You know, like it felt Mm -hmm. like I was like in two worlds, like there's like Alex Mm. when I go to school and then there's Alex when I come home because there was just so many different I don't know like the environment was very different even the language was different right so that code switching of like oh like that's me at school versus me here yeah so thankfully I did have two of my older siblings who had gone there so I had like some experience and advice but yeah I don't know if this is like a younger sibling thing but it's very much like I want to do my own thing you know like Mm. I like, I like the advice, but I'm also like, no, like I want to I want to figure my own like like journey out. Um, so wow. uh, that was interesting because I think for me, I ended up getting really involved in a lot of like support programs. So I don't know if people are familiar with like TRIO, but that's like a federal program for like first generation and then low income students. Mm. So that's really where I think I found my community because Um, at my school, I don't know, I just felt like no one was like me. And like, Mm -hmm. it also seemed like everybody knew what they were doing. When I would go into spaces like TRIO, where it was like predominantly first generation students, that's when I really was able to like, you know, talk about like things and relate to other people um, and their like lived experiences. So I think college for me, it didn't really pick up till maybe like sophomore year where I kind of started to kind of embrace the challenges that came with it. Um, I Mm -hmm. think I started to kind of switch my mindset of like, you know, I'm going to do what scares me kind of a thing. So, if i am scared of it i'm just gonna do it
1: i think you've touched on a lot of um important things one like you said the even the language is different at home so like what you're living in school learning goes beyond sometimes the type of conversations we have at home Mm -hmm. or we reach a level where parents can no longer help us which i don't know if you experience it but i think for the majority of the time i feel like even though they could or maybe tried to help, they still didn't understand the language well enough or the nuances. And so it's kind of like you're helping yourself through the whole process.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it is tough because, yeah, I mean, especially because like my parents, you know, they don't understand the schooling system, right? Because they're from, Mm. you know, like a different country. So even Mm -hmm. just like knowing like the basics of how schooling works, um, it's Mm -hmm. just very different. So yeah, I think it is very much that like, You kind of need to figure it out on your own. And thankfully I did have, you know, two siblings um, who, you know, I had to at least, they they could at least help me out, you know, and like give me some advice. So I did have that support. But yeah, I think it is really difficult, especially for parents. And then I always think like, it must also be scary for them, you know, like they're, they like obviously want to protect you. They want to help you as much as possible, but they just, you know, aren't able to with the current circumstances that they were in
1: yeah yeah and and yeah lucky you that you had two older siblings because i don't know if you know like some of i think uh like for example as eldest i remember enrolling myself in middle school in high school and college you know and and like filling out the forms for my parents and like being that person so thinking that you had two people to go to that's really cool i'm glad they also were involved enough you know to be like you can do this like you should and yeah that's awesome
0: No, for sure. They definitely pushed me because it was a little bit of that imposter syndrome, you know, of like, oh, I don't Mm -hmm. know if I'm capable of doing it. And yeah, they gave me that like push and I definitely needed it. So that was good.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And then you also mentioned something important. I think a lot of us when we end up in college or university, we find community through groups kind of like You're in this big new world and so you need some sort of commonality and so Mm -hmm. so cool that you found it. So you said then, in sophomore year, kind of something switched. Do you know what triggered that switch of like being scared of change versus like embracing it?
0: I think I just started to think of it more as like, I want to get the most out of this experience that I can.
1: Mm. And
0: you know, things are scary and I want to at least try. You know, so mm-hmm. I joined like a Latino fraternity, which that was like really mm. scary for me at the time. And um, it, but it was something that I was like, oh, like I'll never be able to do that. And then I was just like, why? Just try it. Let's just do it. And then I think once I accomplished that, then I think that kind of like did like a domino effect, because mm. then I started doing other things that I thought were scarier, or maybe that I wasn't like capable of. Um, Mm -hmm. and maybe it was like a bit of rebellion maybe because like I don't know you know being people of color being like first gen like we're told a lot what we aren't capable of doing right whether Mm -hmm. that be like directly or indirectly so maybe for me I don't know I'm thinking at the time maybe it was a bit of rebellion like I'm gonna show these people that I could do I can do (laughs) what I want to do right yeah Um, so yeah I think that that might have been the switch
1: I see. And what were some of those things that you were like, I'm going to, I'm going to show them (laughs) that I can do this?
0: Well, one of them was studying abroad. So I, Mm. I was really like scared to study abroad because I was like, I don't know. I just, I didn't know what it was like. I knew a lot of people who were more like affluent uh, went to study abroad. And I was like, I don't know, that's Mm. scary. Um, So I ended up studying abroad, actually, um, in Italy for a summer. So that was something that was really scary for me. And that was a life-changing experience. You're just, like, I don't know, exposed to, like, a different way of living, you know? And it's just Mm -hmm. very different from the U.S. Yeah. Um, And I think it just kind of opens your mind to other ways of living that maybe you, like, hadn't thought about before.
1: What part of Italy? Because I love Italy.
0: Uh, uh, so I was in, it's called Orvieto. It's like a small town. It's uh, about like an hour away from Rome.
1: <gasps> That's so awesome. My goal is to live in Italy at least yeah. like six months or a year. Mm. Do it. I yeah. say you do it. <laughs> when I went to Rome, well, when I went to Europe, it was right after college, similar where I was like, man, some people spend their whole life wishing that they went to Europe, you know, and then like that's their retirement gift. Mm-hmm. And so um I had a friend out there and she was like, Priscilla, like the time is now and so I went and, you know, in debt the cheapest way I could, but I went out there and um I saw like I went to Paris first and I remember seeing the Eiffel Tower and I was just like, Hmm, okay. <laughs> like it didn't like do anything for me, you know, I was just like, All right. I think I went to Amsterdam next. Um, and then I went to Rome and oh my God, something happened in me when I like, like literally when I got out, you, when you get out the Metro, the Colosseum is like right there. And yeah. I was just like, oh, like, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, even what it represents, I don't resonate with like the Colosseum. Right. And like what happened in there, but just like, it felt like home in a weird, weird way. And then, uh, I, I researched my name and it comes from like the, like ancient times and in the roman empire i think or something like that yeah and it's like related basically my name to that to rome and i was just like whoa like yeah
0: so maybe there is like a connection yeah because i kind of feel the same like i think it's always been in my head like oh italy like i'm gonna go there one day i'm gonna go there one day and and then it was just like it happened and then i was like I don't know and i felt kind of similar where there was like i don't know there was this weird like feeling of like connection to it even though i don't know of like if i'm like if my ancestry is connected to it but Mm. yeah there was always this weird like i don't know something about italy but yeah
1: Mm -hmm. Ooh, how interesting you were there for a month and then are we entering the era of where your healing journey or awakening journey starts or not yet is there more to talk about before we head there
0: yeah, so I think during that time, I was I was really trying to find, like, a community that also related to, like, my culture, and I think the Latino fraternity was a part of that, but um, I was able to find it also in Mexican-American studies classes, so I ended up taking a Mexican-American studies class as, like, a gen ed, so a class that, you know, would just fulfill, mm. like, a requirement, mm-hmm. which I also didn't want to take, but I was pushed into that, <laughs> um, but... Um, it ended up really well because for me, that was the first time that I was like, oh, like I can learn about things that like relate to me, mm-hmm. you know, like things that yeah. are actually like personal to me in an education. So it kind of like blurred a little bit of that, you know, like mm-hmm. separation that I would that I felt all the way up until then. Yeah. And a lot of emotions came with that. Right. Because then I was angry because I was like, why didn't I experience this in high school? <laughs> you know, but mm-hmm. yeah. um what led what led to that was that um that specific major had um a lot of you know Mexican American faculty members so that was the first time that I also felt like I saw someone like me in a wow. position like that
1: yeah. and that
0: they like you know like knew what like life was like culturally right like you know mm-hmm. and they were able to also exist in this academia world so um I took a class called Chicano psychology and um, I met this professor, wow. her name is Dr. Andrea Romero, and that was the first time I think I was like, oh, I, I want to be like her, you know what mm-hmm. I mean, like, that was the first time mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, like, I found, like, a teacher that I was like, that's what I want to be like, and she, she we, um, you know, I would, like, talk to her, like, during, like, drop-in hours and things like that, and she was doing wow. amazing work, like, community-wise, um, with, like, you know, Latino students, and, like, she was doing this, like, pipeline project for education, um, so I ended up doing, like, an independent study and doing research with her, which was something that also I was, like, I would never do that, but that was, like, terrifying, (laughs) right, um, but I loved it because it was, like, community work, and then we were able to translate it to, like, you know, research and academia, but Mm -hmm. at the heart of it, it was still, helping like a community. So that was super impactful for me.
1: Wow. Just the name of that course, Chicano Psychology. That sounds so interesting.
0: It's funny because like i i ended up double majoring in psychology and mexican american studies so it was like a good like mixture of both
1: wow that's super cool i love that combination so you've set the scene for some of the things that you've been through some of your experiences and you know the podcast is on healing and awakening (laughs) journeys so which one do you resonate with most or both and when do you think that journey started for you
0: i don't know i feel like it's a mixture of both um I would say awakening, yes, but I feel like a lot of my awakening has happened like the last couple of years, I would say. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think right now I would say it's probably leaning a little bit more into like healing versus the awakening part of it. Um, And yeah, for me, it really did start like around a couple years ago, I would say. Um, That's when I really started to take a deep dive into healing because... I don't know. I feel like I've, I hit like rock bottom at one point because mm. um, ooh, that kind of got me a little emotional. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> um, whew, okay. So yeah, I think for me at that point in my life, I was really at a point where I was like, I know I'm a good person. So why am I not happy? Like, I think like it was like to the mm. point where I was just like, I had just, you know, I had just gone through, like, some difficult things with, like, some of my friendships and, like, relationships. Mm-hmm. And I was to the point where I was, like, I feel like I help everyone. I feel like I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. I don't do, like, malicious things. Like, why am I not happy? And it was, I think that was kind of, like, a breaking point for me where I was just, like, I really need to figure this out because mm-hmm. I can't live like this, you know? Yeah. like. I need to like, you know, I need to like live a better life than where I'm at right now.
1: Can we share each other's rock bottoms a little bit? I think if we can stay there a little, I know once we're in the healing journey or the awakening journey, we want to like breeze through that, you know, cause that's like, yeah, but I'm here now. Like I'm not there anymore, but I totally resonate with the way that you kind of said rock bottom and so i would like to just take a moment to maybe share each other's and like like kind of unpack that a little bit because um when i started this project i really wanted to display that a bit you know and i think that looking back now i realize in some of the episodes we have unpacked the hard stuff but maybe not that rock bottom piece and that's one that really creates a huge change i think in people's lives of course, when you're in it, it's really hard. But when you choose to use it to, to cause change, positive change, it can be a huge part of your journey. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love the part where you said like, I was being a good person. You know, I felt like I was giving, I felt like I was there for others. I don't understand why I was feeling this way. And how could I be like, So, so miserable in that, you know, or so unfulfilled in my life. So for me, I'll take you guys back to like 2016 when, where I think that's really where it started for me quite some time ago now, but the last three years flew by. So I feel like, you know, it hasn't been that long. I had a breakup earlier that year. And then exactly two months later, uh, my parents divorced out of kind of nowhere like it kind of just happened the breakup was hard for me because it was like my first real like love that I was going to marry and we you know we were like graduating college and so I really saw that future with that person you know and so it was like hard but I remember thinking well at least I still have my family like I at least like I remember going an, in an outing with my like parents and I was like you know at least I have them and then literally two months later, one night, I, like, drive into my parents' home and my, my dad's gone, basically, you know. And, and so I find out that my parents are divorcing and that, like, things are not well and and mm-hmm. all of that. And he actually leaves the state within that same month, I think. So I, like, wow. lose that, like, connection, let's say, in, in that time. So at that point, I remember I would live, I lived alone and I remember coming home and, like, gasping for air you know because it was just kind of like what the f is happening and these are you know my major relationships let's say um as well as work was uh something that i just had a hard time thinking that i could do for the rest of my life (laughs) i was like i can't do a nine to five for the rest of my life so i was echandole muchas ganas at work i was doing great but like Everything was kinda of caving in, you know, nothing was going well is how it felt yeah. in that moment. Um, so I'll just preface it with that and let's see if it gave you some time to think of <laughs> some events.
0: No, it did, it did. Yeah. So I think yeah, I think for me at that time, I really like took a look at like the different facets of my life. So like work, family, my friends. You know like how there's like there's a sense of like, oh, if you do these things it'll make you happy and that's kinda of, like what we think, right? It's like If you're Mm -hmm. successful, like, at work, you'll be happy. If you work hard, like, you know, it'll, like, you'll, like, benefit from it or things like that. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, I had to, like, I actually started to look at, like, how do I feel at work? How do I feel Mm. with family? How do I feel with friends? Like, like, actually, like, look at that and not kind of trick myself into, like, Alex, everything is great. You have friends, you have family, you have a job, you're... You, you you like just presented you got an award like you know what I mean like yeah. all of these things that you know we kind of think are gonna make us happy and yeah I realized that at work at that point in time I didn't feel like I was getting anything out of it like I feel like it was all me giving like I was just giving everything I could and mm-hmm. I was just working really hard which I think a lot of us get into that mentality, right, of, like, yeah, you just work really hard, and it's going to pay off, right, yeah, and I think at that time, I also just didn't feel, I don't know, emotionally comfortable with the people close to me to, like, really, like, talk about things, like,
1: mm-hmm. I just didn't
0: feel like I had that space to be vulnerable, and I don't know, like, and now looking back at it, I think it was a combination of, you know, where I was at and also like, you know, where mm. they were at. And it was just like, I, I have set a lot of my connections to be me giving and not receiving. Mm. And obviously, like, I didn't know. I didn't know that, you know, when I was right. like at that point in my life. But I think for me, then I started to realize that I just wasn't, I wasn't getting any, I, I mean, getting anything, I mean, that's, I was getting something, right? But I wasn't being fulfilled in what I was doing. And yeah. I just felt like something has to give. <laughs> like, you know, like I I can't do this forever, even though on paper it's like, oh, you're doing great. You got a job. You're helping people. Like,
1: mm-hmm. But
0: I, I wasn't being fulfilled in, in doing all those things.
1: Yeah. Ooh, I think you mentioned something so important, like the relationships, the way that we set them up let's say or the way that we get used to them is like i'm here to serve right like Mm -hmm. oh no no like maybe they ask how are you oh i'm good how are you doing i'm here Mm -hmm. for you right or whatever you need i got you and we don't know like you said too like we also play a part in it because we Mm -hmm. don't know how to ask help we don't know how to say hey i need you uh which is why we deflect right and we say like tell me when you need me
0: no exactly yeah exactly because yeah at that point i think i was like i didn't know how to do that like i didn't know how to like help let people help me and i think for me it was also like i don't know i think trust was a part of it
1: yeah and you also mentioned um doing the things right the things that are gonna make us happy well we're supposed to do like we're good people Mm -hmm. and i feel like that was definitely the theme on my end so post these things happening, let's say that's when like the things kind of fell apart, right? But, Mm -hmm. you know, picked myself back up. Okay, that's not the end of the world, right? Like we're going to be good. And in that moment, I really, I felt like I supported my mom in terms of like, I'm here for you every weekend. I'd show up. What do you need for me? And every weekend I would drive back home and cry, right? So showing Uh. that I was here for her, but I wasn't, I didn't know how to say like I need support too you know it was kind Mm -hmm. of like i know how to support i don't know how to ask for support so that was one of the things that was happening and then uh career wise i landed my dream job so of course (laughs) when things went south in my personal life i like dove deeper into work right and i landed my dream job which was a job that i didn't expect to get until i was in 15 20 years into my career like it was like a consultant job where you worked with multiple businesses and Um, I was, I knew that was like the goal, but I didn't know that I was going to get there at 25, (laughs) you know? Um, and that job is what like really dove me personally deep into rock bottom because I off the bat had like maybe, mm, or started gaining, I think it was like six months and I already had 50 small businesses that I had to like consult. There's like huge levels of imposter syndrome um mm-hmm. at the same time getting like positive feedback which was like that should quiet the the noise <laughs> but it didn't yeah. you know um I had a, the biggest paycheck I had ever gotten so I was like making good money and so I was kind of like no I have to make this happen I have to stay here you know like this is the best job I've ever had with the best yeah. benefits I started to wake up every day with anxiety to mm-hmm. the point where I would gag a little like it was kind of like i don't know it was this weird thing that started happening um and then like i would get nervous because i had to do i had to manage like all kinds of things like terminations counselings, and then trainings and so you're you're doing all of these things for all of these businesses working with imagine working with 50 managers in a way you know or like 50 (laughs) business owners they're kind of like your manager and so you're you're at their um like at what at their disposal I guess like yeah. whatever they need mm-hmm. um, and so that would cause a lot of anxiety within me and I would drive with anxiety I would have to turn on the air put some peppermint on like my finger and like yeah. you know like smell peppermint and the people around me didn't know what I was going through like they couldn't tell me you're burning out they just told me what you said right like you're doing great you have a really good job you're gonna mm-hmm. be fine. It's just transition. Like you're, it's okay. Don't be nervous. <laughs> just like, just grow <laughs> thicker skin. Don't be nervous. Um, and what started happening for me, my rock, rock bottom moment was when I would get home. I started smoking, like smoking weed, basically. Um, yeah. Which I had broken up with someone because of them smoking so much. And I started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I became that person. You know, I started being so stressed out that I would come home and numb out basically like smoke, yeah. Netflix, DoorDash, sleep, do it mm-hmm. again. And after months of doing that, that's when I was like, what the F is going on, Priscilla? That's, this isn't you. You know, this was not the dream. And yet supposedly right now you're living the dream, you know, and that really messes with you. That really felt like rock bottom. I feel like that was the start of me being like, all right, something's got to change.
0: It's either up or I don't know, right? Like I have to do something because this is not working. Mm -hmm. Um, No, I definitely I resonate with that a lot because I think for me, like work was something that I was constantly triggered by and I didn't know Mm -hmm. that I was being triggered because it was so like common like it was just happening all the time um I remember I would fit like I would get these like gut punches all the time from Mm -hmm. things yeah and I didn't I didn't I don't know it was something like I didn't really like fully like understand right but like Mm -hmm. my body kept like telling me right like Mm -hmm. like some like obviously something's not right right because it would be from like emails or like meetings or like conversations or things that I just It was like really like stressing me out but it was weird because i had this like disconnect from like my body and like my mental almost yeah because it was like my mental was like oh like we'll be fine like we're gonna figure this out right yeah but my body was like telling me like something's wrong and um i think for me a part of my healing journey was like starting listening to my body because for so long there was that disconnection that I didn't know how to like integrate those things back you know Mm -hmm. and and I don't know I mean there could be a lot of reasons as to like why I did feel that disconnect I think that a lot of us grow up in survival mode right yeah so either that be like we were in it or our families were in it so then we like kind of you know develop that mentality as well and it's like I think I think when you're in survival mode, you're just kind of thinking like, how do I survive? Right? It's not like, yeah. oh, like let me listen to what my body's telling me. It's <laughs> like let me just get there.
1: You know? Push through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have this energy of like, and and the thing is, the energy served us. I think, for example, going to college. Right? You had you had a gut punch, and you're like, yeah. Psh, no, I'm gonna push through. You right? know? And so in a sense, it does can serve a purpose, maybe, but the energy that we bring to it is so strong because of our family. It's kind of like we have to do it. So you just do it. You push through it no matter what, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Like you're about to have this super hard conversation. You may be like in the in in the bathroom, super nervous, but you're <laughs> going to do it. It's not, there's no option. Yep. Or at least you yep. think there's no option.
0: Yeah, it's, it's that resilience, right? Like you have to, or I think I've heard it called as like grit. Like it's like mm. that, that ability to be like, yeah, you know, like, I don't want to do this. I'm scared. But we still, we just push through and we just do it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that was at some point, like, by quote, our still maybe, it's glorified. You know, that grit, mm-hmm. that resilience. It's like, we have, I think... Yeah, it was a huge change for me to stop glorifying it. It was a huge change for me to be like, how about yeah. I don't do the things I don't want to do? You know, how about yes. I don't push myself through when my body is like, no, I'm going to be like, okay, no. You know, like, yep. yeah. So, no, yeah. Yeah.
0: I agree. Yeah, I mean, I think our, our culture, like, our society, right, it does glorify it where it's like, you know, like, oh, like, you're so resilient, you're so strong, you can, like, do everything and things like that. And... You know, yeah, like you mentioned, like to a point, it is helpful, you know, like when we're overcoming these barriers and obstacles and things like that. But like, we can't always be in that mode, right? Because, yeah, yeah, then it's like we're never doing things that we actually want to do.
1: Do you recall a way that like you came to, okay? I want to change this. I'm no longer I no longer want this for myself.
0: I don't know if there was like a specific moment but I do think that it was like, I was fed up with the current job that I had. And I was just like, I like I need to like do something different. And then also like some of my relationships, like connections had just like ended abruptly. Mm-hmm. And I think that also kind of threw me off. So I think I was at the point where I was like, there was all this like change happening. And I think I was at the point where I was just like, I just need to do something different. Like this is not gonna work. and. One of the big things for me, too, is like, I don't know, I felt like I, I was struggling with connection, like I wasn't able to really mm. connect with people.
1: Mm. And
0: I, I saw that as a common theme, you know, in my life, mm. where like, I was really good at being there for other people. I was really good at, you know, helping them. But I, I just, I didn't know how to like, I didn't know how to just connect authentically without being of service to someone,
1: mm. you know? Yeah.
0: Like, I didn't know how to just, like, be and just, like, connect with someone. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was always like, oh, there's this, like, I'm going to help you, you know, so I'm going to do these things.
1: So I'm going to go show up. Yeah, exactly.
0: I don't know. Later on, I realized that that's a really big way of, like, you know, you're not standing in your power when you're doing that, right? Because you're, it's like, it's like this proving yourself kind of energy. At least that was for me. I'll say that. For me, it yeah. was like, I'm going to prove to you that I'm a really good person. I'm a good friend. I'm a good, you know, whatever, ex. So I'm yeah. going to do all these things. And like, you're going to see that I'm, I'm I'm like a good person. And it was almost like this like validation, right? That I wanted.
1: Yeah.
0: And yeah, it was, now when I see it, it it's like this, like you're giving the power to something else, right? Mm-hmm. Because then they get to say you are or you're not versus you just knowing that you are that.
1: Correct. Yeah. It's like a carrot that, ke- that that you like chase. Right. But like if the carrot, if they move it and then they move it more, then you're constantly chasing it. Mm-hmm. And also what it like what I deal with sometimes or when I'm coaching first gens, it's like sometimes those people don't even know they're holding a carrot for you. It's just you following <laughs> it, you know, but they're yeah. never going to say the thing that you've been hoping that they say because they don't even know no. you need it. And yet right. you're like, like, oh, well, they haven't said it because I haven't done enough they won't. maybe they'll say it when i do this or maybe they'll say it when i show up like this or when i give more or do more right yeah
0: and but and and the funny thing is like and then they do say it and then we like discredit it somehow like mm. that imposter syndrome kicks in so if they're like you're amazing at your job you're like doing all these great things and you're like oh they're just saying that because you know whatever reason like <laughs> it's not real which is funny because then it's like i don't know it's it's really complex I feel yeah. like
1: yeah yeah and like you said, that's, you know, all of these things are what I tie, like, to your inner there to that power.
0: And then it's more solidified because it's like, it's like what you think, you know, and mm-hmm. it's less movable. There's no carrot, right? There's exactly. no carrot that you're chasing. It's like, <laughs> you know this within yourself. And yeah. I think that's a big, you know, shift that um, I also had to, like, go, go through because, yeah, I mean, for me, it was like. You know, where uh, it was like seeking, like, validation outside of you. And it's mm-hmm. like, and then, like, once they tell me this, then it'll be true, right?
1: Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important, too, to, like, know yourself, self-love, self-care, be mindful. Because when you know yourself, then you stop hoping that others tell you who you are, you know? Right. Like, it it all ties in. But that validation comes from, like, yeah, like, at work, Tell me I'm a good worker. Tell me who I am. Tell me what I need to do to be, to meet the goal. Then with family, tell me so that I know. But when you like instead say, I know that I am this. I show up this way. I like this. I want to improve this. You're no longer, like you said, giving that power away. You have it within you. You know, you're showing up to these faces knowing who you are instead of telling, like waiting for them to tell you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah,
0: because I feel like, when we are trying to get it from other people it's like other people first of all they don't know you as well as you know yourself like you know yourself way more than anyone does right and then they only experience a part of you like Mm -hmm. it's not like they only experience you in this certain way in these certain times right Mm -hmm. and I don't know I think like once you like start thinking about like what does it mean to you like you know yourself more than anyone else and I think that that's the most important like opinion right is like mm-hmm. what you think about yourself i mean it's honestly really complex obviously like it's not easy just to be like you know what i'm gonna not care no. anymore <laughs> no 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 yeah no yeah. it
1: takes a lot of time and yeah. it change. it takes not only shifting outward relationships but inward too like the relationship that you have with yourself and that's one that you need to work on it doesn't happen from day to night there's like a connection between how we relate to others versus how we relate we relate to ourselves mm-hmm. so for example if we're over giving and overdue it's likely we're starving the relationship with ourselves. And so it's another relationship that you get to work on. You're used to starving yourself. So Mm -hmm. even if you you end one relationship, you're going to find another one that creates that for you because that's what you're used to you're not used to filling your own cup. And so when you try to do that, it's hard. It's hard to give yourself that time, attention, love.
0: No, yeah, honestly, it's challenging. One example for me was like resting. I was not used to resting. I was not used to like not doing something all the time. And I literally had to like tell myself for these 10 minutes, we're not doing something, you know, (laughs) and we need to like be okay and settle in that, right? Because it was just so like, it wasn't, something that i was like familiar with it was very weird and i think it's it's funny because like you're thinking like oh you have to like take time out to like rest and it's like if that's not your norm like yeah you have to start like building it into your life so that way Mm -hmm. you get comfortable with it
1: Ooh, i was just talking to a client yesterday about that she was like i i i was there in the park for five minutes and i felt guilty and i you know all of these feelings that were coming through and yeah, it's it's so interesting when life really brings you to a space where it's like the only person stopping you from what you really want sometimes can be you. So if you really want peace, the possibility is there. But are you going to allow yourself to feel the peace? You know, are you yeah. going to allow? Okay, you have an hour to not do anything. What are you going to do with that hour? Are you going to feel exactly. it? Are
0: you going exactly. <laughs> to? You know, I think it's funny because for me, like I would even if I would do something fun, I would make it like productive in some way it's like mm. oh I'm gonna watch this amount of episodes or I'm gonna finish this season like you know it was like <laughs> it was still like a goal even wow. if I was doing something that was like fun
1: oh my gosh all of all of it ties in together you know like when we get to these rock bottoms it's so I think like the path starts to reveal itself to you you know if you're mm-hmm. like digging deeper a little bit yeah. but it can be hard it's not easy and there's also, like, a visceral fear of what happens if I change the character that I've been playing. Usually, yeah. the people around you that you love a lot are used to that version of you. So mm-hmm. there's a fear internally of, like, if I change, what happens? If I change, where do I get my love from? If I change, where do I get my validation from? Who am I without these these things that exactly. I... Exactly. Yeah.
0: Who, who am I if I'm not this? Right. Like, what? And that's scary. That's scary to think about, like... Yeah. Who am I if I am not, you know, if I'm not like providing for these people, if not a good worker, if I'm not, you know, X thing? Yeah.
1: And that's actually something that you and I are going to be doing a part two. So we're going to be talking about that. Right. Evolution yeah. of self, boundary setting, yes. prioritizing joy. So I think that maybe is there anything else that's part of the journey that you would like to mention as we wrap up this part, and then we can dive it deeper into those subjects um, in part two.
0: Yeah, I think for like for me, like when it came to really like healing and like starting the journey, I think that I had to really start looking around, like what were some beliefs that I was upholding that weren't mine. Like, what were things that I was maybe being projected on that I never thought, but like, you know, other people did and like I'm holding that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, like, one way that I really noticed that was like when I would meditate or if I was triggered, right? When I was triggered, I would look inward, like, why am I triggered? Like, you know, like really start like discovering like who you are, right? Mm -hmm. And I would literally hear people's voices, of like what they were like projecting onto me like I would hear that right and it would be like a specific Mm -hmm. person and it helped me to start identifying what the root of that was and also start identifying that it wasn't even my belief like I wasn't (laughs) even the one who was like I didn't believe that like just someone else did and I'm holding it you know
1: yeah
0: yeah so I think Part of the shedding part of it right is also like getting to the root of it and like Mm -hmm. realizing like where did this come from and is it even like yours like and if you don't believe it why are we upholding it right
1: right yeah yeah i agree all right let me ask you some resource questions okay what's a, a book that has helped you in your journey
0: i like to read a lot of like brene brown books a lot of her books i think have helped me to really you know think about vulnerability and mm-hmm. then thinking about like vulnerability like with yourself right because for me a big challenge was like i wasn't even vulnerable with myself you know like yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't actually let myself go there like i would stop myself from going there yeah so yeah, I think as far as books, that's, I think those are, like, really good ones.
1: What is your favorite healing or mindful tool?
0: I think for me, just like I was talking about when getting triggered, one of the big things is, like, I really like to get to the root of things. It's been helpful to just, like, in the moments that I'm triggered. Because the way that I thought about it about it was, like, I want to be triggered every day. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, yeah. like, constantly yeah. be in this, like, things are, like, you know, like, putting me in this space constantly, right? Yeah. Um, so... For me, it was, like, really thinking about it, but then getting to the root of it, right? Like, what is the root belief of, like, what's what's upholding this trigger, right?
1: Yeah. A habit that you do for yourself every single day.
0: Music has been a really great way for me to, like, connect with, like, happiness and joy. It's something that just helps me, like, stay connected with, you know, my happiness yeah. Because you need to put like a song that makes you feel like a bad bitch, you know, and like, that's just what you need. So I think <laughs> for me, I use music a lot to like help me through things.
1: An influencer that leaves you positively inspired.
0: Ooh, OK. I mean, one of them is you. Mm-hmm. So for sure. Um, I hope that people are following. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that they're following you if they're on here. Right? It
1: better but be. No. <laughs> if
0: you're not, definitely follow. Um, yeah, I definitely think that. I mean, I love your work and we've talked about this, but I definitely think that you're doing some really great, amazing stuff. Thank you. And believe it. okay? no imposter syndrome stuff.
1: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) you know, when you said that, though, I hadn't noticed that about me. But you're right. Like when you were like uh, earlier in the episode, Uh I like I put that in to think about because you're right. How like we're looking for that and then we get it and then we like discard it so fast. So thank you. Thank you for the reminder. Yes, I'm receiving it. (laughs)
0: And I think, I mean, Michael uh, Lemus also also does some really amazing stuff. I mean, we both know Michael. I think you you had him on the podcast before. He was on
1: the podcast. Yeah. Mm
0: -hmm. I've done like coaching with Michael and yeah, he's really amazing.
1: All right. Well, before we wrap up, is there any message you have for listeners today?
0: If you feel like your day to day is not fulfilling, I promise you there is a way to live where you feel fulfilled. I promise you. Like, even if you feel like, I don't know what that would look like. Like there is a life where you can feel fulfilled. And I think it takes a lot of work, obviously, you know, we got to do healing and things like that. But I just want to say that, you know, if you feel like you're in a place where like you're having a really hard time, like prioritizing yourself or even knowing like what you want or like who you are, um, trust me that you will get there for sure. Even if right now it feels like it's like a mountain that you have to climb. it, it, it'll take some time but i promise you you will definitely get there
1: we're both proof of that exactly We're both yes exactly. we're both proof of that all right guys well if you found this episode helpful please make sure that you like it that you subscribe to the podcast if you're not already and you share it with your amigas amigos amigas and remember first gen that i love you i love me and i can't wait for you to love yourself Thank you.